everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi there. Welcome on Mike with Jordan Rich. Conversation is alive and well and kicking with creative people who have a lot to say and a lot to offer. Today's guest is Erin Deal. I love this lady. She's a business improv edutainer. That's right, I said edutainer. She offers new and innovative ways to engage your team and drive morale through the roof, through play, improv, and experiential learning. And I, for one, love to riff, so I can't wait to chat with this young lady. She's got a very popular podcast and much more going on. So let's meet her right here on Mike. I'm excited about this because my whole life is one big improv, and I'm proud to say that. Erin, welcome to the show. Nice to meet you. Oh, Jordan, I am here for this conversation. I'm, I I have questions for you, so I feel like this is going to be fun. Well, we're just going to wing it then, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I guess a little yes, I am. <laughs> First of all, uh, let me start with my questions, and then you can ask me anything. I'm an open book. Yes. Um, okay. I love the fact that you're doing this. I think it's so important, the spontaneity, the excitement of engaging people in, in exercises that get them to think out of the box. But you have a background in improv yourself. Why don't you share with us a bit more than I just mentioned in the intro? Oh, yeah. Well, Jordan, it dates back to the early 80s when I was playing Double Dare in my family's <laughs> living room. Um, no, it's truly I, – I have just loved – theater and dance and performing my whole life. And this just is really how the love for this came about. I fell into improv on accident. Mm -hmm. I moved to Chicago after graduating from Clemson University with a communications degree because I was going to be Oprah. And oh. that's what every every parent <laughs> wants to hear. Um, so I thought to myself, where where does Oprah, how do you train to become Oprah? Well, at the time, she still had the Oprah Winfrey show. So I said, I'm moving to Chicago. This is the early 2000s. There's not a ton of online material on how to become a talk show host. So naturally, I thought, I guess I should do improv. Um, <laughs> and it was a crash course for me. I was not good at it at first, if I'm being really honest. I It was exposure therapy. Like I would walk into class extremely sweaty with what I like to call the ick factor. Like mm. I was, my armpits were sweating. I was like, I need a strong antiperspirant. Uh, and it made me really nervous because my entire life I'd had a script and I had to let go of that control in order to make it work. And so after many exposures, I started to fall in love with it. And... I started to just see all of the work I was doing spill in my day to day. Now, you do mention in your bio, Second City. Yes. And I'm very familiar with that. For the audience, you can share with us. And I'm curious as to what you did with Second City and how that worked for you. Yeah. So I started in their early, like, beginner program, A through E. Mm -hmm. 
Then I went to the IO Theater, which was formerly Improv Olympic. Then I went to the Annoyance Theater, which for me is really where I found my voice. McNapier is a student of all these schools, created his own school. And that for me was because their whole motto, each school has a different training methodology. And for me, Annoyance was... Can I can I swear, Jordan? I'll say I'll say a I'll say a PG rated word. Yes. Stick to your poop. You can and, do that. That's right. Okay. And when you make a choice on stage, if it's big, stay big. If you make a choice, see, I mean, all these things just apply to life. So we'll go there later. But yeah, and then I started doing a bunch of sketch shows, independent teams, and I'll tell you what: when I started improve it. There was a lot of imposter syndrome. I never made it on the main stage at Second City. I never made the ETC shows. But guess who's on my team, Jordan? Let me guess. Some uh, SCT people. Yes. ET- ETC and main stage performers at Second City. So I surrounded myself with really funny people and people who played better than I did. I want, I always tried to play up. It's almost like managing up. Um, and it really did transform me as an improviser. And then those same people have just believed in improve it and this dream and they are crushing it on stage right now. And they're a part of this business. So it's really interesting. It's, it's a full circle moment, but I actually haven't performed in probably five years on stage. Well, all the world's a stage. Somebody smart once said that, and uh, <laughs> life is just a rehearsal. I, I heard somebody else say that. So uh, really, we're going to talk about what you do now and how innovative it is and how effective it is. Thank but you. Um, y- you were saying something about having a script. I think so many people do play by the rules in terms of the formal script in their lives, and they're afraid to waver, and so much of it is fear of being rejected or fear of being made fun of, something I do not have any uh, knowledge of because I don't care. You just throw the light on and I'm ready to go. But was that uh, something that you felt you overcame when improv entered your life? Yeah, I think for me it was, so I'm a recovering perfectionist. Now mm. I call myself turned fail-fluencer. So I'm not an influencer <laughs> on Instagram. I, I believe in failing hard, failing fast, Good for you. and celebrating it, right? And so that that came with time. Um, but for me, so let me just back it up a little bit, too. Sure. I was always, I'm going to just say it, funny. I was voted class clown in high school. Mm. I did sketch comedy in high school. I My greatest joy is making people laugh. That is my gift. I that I know I have the gift of gab. However, in improv, Jordan, you cannot show up and drop a punchline because it doesn't make scenes work. You can't go into a scene trying to be the funny person. That's not real improv. Real improv is reacting in the mm. moment to the last thing that somebody said, not pre-planning, not thinking ahead. And that was my problem. I could not let go of control. And that made it really difficult for me in the in the beginning years of improv because I was trying to be the funny person. And when you try, 
Yeah. It doesn't work. No, that's so true. We have a lot of great improv groups here in Boston where we're broadcasting and yeah. broadcasting from. And uh, as a student of this, and I've done some of it on air and be you know, on stage, it's so true. Less is sometimes more, and it's reacting at, to someone. It's That's the beauty of acting is reacting. So we'll get into all this uh, in more detail. But um, you've applied this in this business of yours very successfully across the, the spectrum in terms of clients. Tell us about some of the folks you're working with. Yeah, I mean, so – it's, we've been in business eight years, and I will say most of our clients, it's interesting, industry-wise, are in the tech space. Mm -hmm. So we've worked from Uber to um, anywhere from, like, Uber, Amazon, I'm blanking LinkedIn. We work in the financial services space with large companies like Crow Horwath, Paylocity, which is also kind of tech. We worked with the Obama Foundation. So no we big names, right? Just no big just, names. Yeah. Or, yeah. Run of the mill. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Motorola. Yeah. So we truly are so lucky. We have the best clients um, and we attract that. I think that's because, you know, we're not for everyone. We really aren't. You have to be prepared to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Right. And it has to be something that you're willing to do outside of the box. So, uh, so how does it make a difference? Let's just cut right to the choice, chase mm -hmm. for folks listening. How does it make a difference at, say, Motorola to have somebody like you and your team come in and get people to loosen up? What impact does that have? And I know it does have an impact. Oh, my gosh, yes. So <laughs> I'll say this, too, just uh, to kind of step back. When we first meet with a client, we are we get really specific on their objective. We always say we don't measure your ROI, we measure your ROO. So we say, what is your challenge? What keep what literally keeps you up at night? And I heard this phrase once and I'll never forget it. They said, ask get in bed with somebody. Ask them what keeps them up at night. And since we've been doing that, we've been able to really foster great connection and relationships with clients because we're solving their problems. We're not just a vitamin or a painkiller. So we really get in there. We understand what's their problem. We have 10 different what we call power skill training workshops and experiences that range from things just straight team building to leadership to presentation skills. But what will happen in every single workshop is let's say you have 30 individuals, they're gonna walk in 30 individuals, they're gonna walk out a team of 30. Mm. Because what happens is we use play to drop these masks, these hypothetical masks that we wear to work. And then through that unveiling of the real human, that is when we connect with laughter we teach through laughter and every end result is a positive experience because we're never putting somebody on the spot. We're connecting and bridging people together in a way that makes them feel more connected than they ever could. I, I concur that that is a magical formula for success. When you're in a theatrical presentation of any kind or a presentation, if you're not listening to the other person or if you're not engaged with the other person, then you have two people standing there like dummies with nothing to do. Yeah. And, and, you, and you automatically, uh, I think it's part of the human experience, you automatically connect with somebody, uh, maybe out of sheer fear at first, but out of the necessity to keep things moving. Um, you mentioned presentation. I mean, that's always the, the thing, you know, 
death is less fearful than getting up in front yes. of people. And there are all kinds of things that people have tried, but you've found a lot of success. What do you do in, in general? I know it's specific, specific to certain companies, but what do you do in general to do, get people to relax? It's a great question. So, okay, any, any type of workshop that we're doing, let's say it is presentation skills, we're going to start off by just creating a safe space. You have to feel that word psychological safety is so real. You have to feel that you can let go. So we'll do an icebreaker on the upfront and we'll talk about it. We'll call the elephant out in the room. We're probably going to do some things today that make you get a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to the at the very end of this is to get you comfortable with that uncomfortable because by dipping a toe and then a foot and then the whole leg at the end, you're going to do something that you could have never imagined doing with your coworkers today that is going to teach you through this. It's almost like a gigantic trust fall, although there are no trust falls. We are going to help you learn to trust not only each other, but most importantly, yourself. And so just setting expectations on the upfront really sets the tone. I will also be remiss if I didn't share with you, Jordan, our top secret thing. Are you ready? This oh, is boy. exclusive. This Drum is roll, hot please. off the press. Okay. I'm sitting in my podcast closet. Above me, there is an entire bin filled with chicken hats. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nothing like a good chicken hat to get people laughing. Yes. And so it's literally a, a, a stuffed, like a felt chicken with legs and on his, on his feet are sneakers. And so this just happened. We started this business eight years ago and I was literally sitting at my kitchen table and I happened to have this chicken hat in a bin next to me. And I said, okay, we're going to pull this in. Whenever we say the word improv, we're going to pass this chicken hat to the person on our right. Whoever ends up with a chicken hat at the end will be the improv chicken champion. Well, then one of my guys, yes, ended it in the workshop. And he said, anytime you hear the word improv, you not only have to take the hat, but we're going to chicken dance collectively, like the chicken <laughs> uh, dance you would see at a wedding. Ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba. Ba -da -ba yes. So to date, we have trained over 36,000 people to chicken dance. Uh, and right away, this comes at probably five minutes in after we've introduced ourselves, we've warmed you up. We start off with the chicken dance. And pa well, now it's just a dance. COVID made things different. So we don't pass a chicken. Now, when you hear the word, we chicken dance. Um, but in a, at the end, the most enthusiastic chicken dancer <laughs> gets a prize. Um, but it breaks the ice. It breaks the tension right away. Not one person is chicken dancing. We are all chicken dancing together. And collectively, like walls just start to come down. Smiles form. It becomes this positive atmosphere. It sounds really cheesy. And in theory, people think it sounds crazy. It works every single time. I love it. Uh, we're talking with Aaron Deal. And uh, how do you pronounce the name of your company? Because I'm tempted to pronounce it with the improv it. Is that There's, the way you say it? That's the pun, but it's improving. All right. I just wanted to make yes. sure. Always like to make sure that I don't step up. And that brings me to another question. You just mentioned COVID. Over the eight years, COVID aside, because of the intense scrutiny that people are being paid in terms of social media, HR is looking over your shoulder. Have people gotten any less or more uptight with anything, even something that's pretty simple and innocent? I mean, are people afraid at all to speak up and act a little goofy these days? 
Oh, I see where you're going. See well, going. I would say actually the opposite because because we've all been so disconnected mm -hmm. because we've all I've spent two years basically inside in corporate. Most of our clients are corporate America. I will tell you that when they actually get in person or even on a Zoom call, because we do these virtually, it's actually really refreshing because they're able to connect and they're able to have a voice. They're able to have a megaphone. Mm. And it's really wonderful to witness. People are craving it. They miss it. And it's a, I feel lucky to witness it. It makes me happy. And I just even remember right when we got back from probably beginning of 2022, end of 2021, and people were starting to do in-person events again, the joy in mm. that room. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And plus, you offer the quote-unquote safe space. You offer the, the big tent that says it's okay. Uh, everything yes. that goes on in this room is okay. It's been sanctioned. It's, it's a good deal. As, uh, as is the case. Uh, when people go to a, a show, it's always interesting, an improv show that I've been to, let's say, and they ask for volunteers from the audience. It's always yeah. interesting to me who does actually volunteer. And to a person, uh, these are people who are not actors or showbiz. They're funny. And I think the point that I wanted to make is people are naturally funny if they give themselves a little time to just unwind. Tell you what, what I do. You haven't asked me yet, but I'll tell you anyway. I've emceed a million events. I, in radio, you do this kind of thing. And one time, uh, there was a comedy night, and the comedians didn't show up. They went to the wrong town in the wrong state with the same name. That's comedians. Stop. So I was there as the MC. I had 300 people in the room for a fundraiser, and the host the organization said, oh, my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I said, I got this. So I did what I've done in the past. I said, we're going to play the almost newlywed game. And I learned this on a cruise ship. And I brought up couples, you know, out of the crowd, various couples. And I just asked the questions and they did all the funny stuff. That's the point it. the point of that story is this is I know what you're doing in a much more sophisticated way and people when they hear somebody laughing with them and at them and because of the situation, it's like it's like nirvana. It's like you've reached yes. heaven, isn't it? Oh, Jordan. Yes. And that's an <laughs> excellent excellent point. First of all, I love you have this amazing MC voice, so as you should be doing this always, but that is really what our workshops are and what improv does is we, I always say this, I'm not coming, well, I do keynotes, so that's a different thing, that mm -hmm. I am talking to you. The workshop, our facilitators and, and facilitating a training session, the people who are the workshop are the participants. Yeah, I'm just guiding them. I'm just teeing them up. To, I'm giving them a, a like a quick little tea and they're hitting it out of the park because they are the people that are making the energy of that room. I'm just helping you get there and we're just helping you get there. But you're so right too. the people who you think will be the most introverted are always the most funny. And I'll tell you <laughs> why I just had this revelation the other day. Yeah, it's because they're the best listeners. And then they're reacting truthfully and authentically to the last thing that that was said, because they're truly listening. Mm, that's a great point, excellent point. The other thing I was going to mention uh, has to do with referencing things. Now in improv, uh, what I love about doing improv is you have to think fast on your feet if you wanna go off on another tangent, but you have to be realistic about the tangent. In other words, if you're gonna mention a, 
uh, brand name. You want to get it sort of right. So your knowledge base is activated. And yeah. what I notice, and answer me if you notice the same thing with the people you work for and with, is when they're in a situation that's outside of the cubicle, they're instantly challenged and excited about coming up with references to things that nobody ever asked them about before. Yes, yes. And you know what the the gift in that is the specificity. So like if I said etch a sketch for me, I don't know, just that word just came to mind. Yeah. Right there, I'm thinking about, and I have no clue where Etch-a-Sketch just came from, Jordan, but I'm thinking about my childhood. I'm thinking about playing with that little, that little, those little knobs on that red Etch-a-Sketch, <laughs> and I'm taking you to a place in time in my life, and I think you're sitting there, or hopefully seeing that picture in your mind, Etch-a-Sketch, right? So it brings up feelings, and it's in that, that really specific moment outside of the cubicle, seeing your coworker outside of the cubicle and seeing them as human mm. that's what is also so magical about this art form it humanizes work and that is really what we're all craving because we are human beings not human doings and it just really is refreshing for a lot of people to see their ceo Pretend like he's in a Western film. I've seen that literally happen on some of our workshops. It's refreshing for a CEO to hear an intern speak up and answer a question about how people need to show up for each other more. Like it's just a round table opportunity. And if you take it, if you take the funny work seriously, can be really changing for teams and cultures. What's really uh, especially nice is there's no alcohol involved when you're doing this on site. And it's some people think, oh, I've got to have a few drinks before I can get up there and do that. No, yeah. absolutely not. If, if you've got the great facilitators that you have. And tell us a little bit about your team because I've looked at your website. I've read through a lot of it. And uh, some really cool, exciting, creative people. Tell us a little bit about who's on oh. staff the best people in the whole world. Um, so we have an internal team of five. And one of, I'll say now, one is not an anomaly. We have three people who are not improvisers. The rest are improvisers or have many, many years of improv training. But Christy is our director of talent. Christy has been a performer for 15 plus years. Met her going through class at IO. Truly one of the funniest people I've ever seen on stage in my entire life. I've never seen her be bad to this day. She's been with me since day one. Um, and then we have 22 what we call improv professionals who have all trained on all of the major stages. I mentioned a few of them in the beginning of the show. They live in New York. They live in Chicago. They live in L.A. We've got a couple people in Charlotte, North Carolina. Need some boss people, Jordan. A boss would be, uh, oh, I got a million of them. I can okay, round right. up a few for you. But we, they're truly what I like to call the, the traits of a great improviser make up the traits of a great human. And every single facilitator, improv professional on our team has been with us either from since 2014, uh, 2016 or 2018. They've been with me a very long time. They believe in this work because they know it can change lives. And they're some of the most empathetic people. I always say, when we hire, we hire against our core values. So everyone in the company shares the same values, but there's always another test that's we, that we don't necessarily share. It's the airplane test. 
if you sat next to this person on an airplane for eight hours, would they be kind? Would they be considerate? Would you enjoy the conversation? If that test is, is complete, then come on in. But you have to really be a compassionate human and you have to f exude this feeling of trustworthiness because that's what we're doing. We're asking teams and companies to trust us for those two hours or a half day with their team and their culture. Mm. So they're just some of the best humans. You're in the building world. you're building the empathy muscle that uh, is in everyone, but it's not being used maybe and it's being, you know, it's sort of dormant. And that's what happens in a theatrical setting when you're learning lines, but it really happens in, as you say, the improvisation of life. And then as you've trained these organizations and individuals, uh, you must get feedback post and what's going on in their lives and in the office. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I'm so grateful for this. So we actually have pre-work and post-work that we give to every client, every participant, because when we walk in and we change that room, that energy, the post work was a follow up to clients saying, hey, this is amazing. How do I make it stick? So those are done. They're, they're DIY e-learning courses. Every participant gets built in conjunction with every training we offer. But really, we get feedback from surveys. And then we also ask the client, did we meet your ROI, your ROO, which ROI, and for some people is the correct term, we say ROO. And I will tell you, I can count on one hand the number of times that this hasn't been a positive experience. And I can tell you why it wasn't a positive experience. The reason why those five did not work is because the leader never bought in. Mm -hmm. Because the leader in the room, who everyone is watching to see, is it okay if I, if I let my guard down, was on their phone or oh. <laughs> yeah, wasn't participating or was making a scowling face in the corner and people felt uneasy. If your leadership is like, let's go, I'm letting go today. Oh man, it's go, it's on. I, but it's I, because of leaders. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And the leadership uh, training is a big component. I have a question. We've been talking about the fun and it is a, extremely fun and funny, but is there ever a time when you adopt exercises that are not about the funny and not about the gags and the laughter, but maybe about two people having a serious discussion about a relationship or anything? I mean, I know you have to be careful about guidelines, but it, talk a little bit about that, if you will. Do you do that? Yeah, we do. There is an activity called Empathy. It's actually built into one of my keynotes, and um, we'll do it in a couple of other workshops. Because the goal is not only to obviously have fun, but it's to learn. And sometimes learning is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So we use this guideline, this empathy guideline to have tough conversations. So let's say you and I were partners for this activity in particular. I would ask you to tell me about a problem that you're having at work in first person. And I would be sitting directly, like pretend we're face to face right now in mm -hmm. the same room. Mm -hmm very sitting close to each other, mm -hmm. you would tell me that problem. I would listen intently. Mm. And then it's my job to repeat back your problem to you in the first person as if I am you. Ah. So what I'm doing in that is really truly listening. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to pre-plan or say. And by filtering it through first person as if I am you, 
I'm actually thinking about your issues. I'm actually thinking about your problems. Yeah, because you're saying it's me, it's I. I am yes. think feeling this. That's a great uh, exercise. One of many I know you have. You've got a whole yes. toolkit that's pretty vast. Uh, also, physicality is something that I love in in the work that I do. Uh, you don't have to be uh, Marcel Marceau and the greatest mime or, or an acrobat or a juggler, but physicality, being a little bigger and a little broader than you normally are, because people carry themselves in all kinds of ways that you know show off their personality, their shyness, but getting somebody to just use their body to open up is a wonderful, wonderful experience for them and the group. Yeah, and it's a, actually, improv is a wonderful teaching tool for communication that specifically body language. I mean, it's effective communication is one of the most popular things we teach. And the way that you carry yourself as a human carries conversations. It sets the tone for conversations. So we talk a lot about physicality and presentation skills and how we communicate in person and on virtual settings. So physicality is huge in a business context. Now, physicality in an improv stage is also huge. Mm -hmm. And here's some things, George. This is interesting. I actually got notes in the beginning stages of my improv career that I played too big. Uh. And so I had to learn <laughs> to tone it down and play closer to what we call closer to your spine but there's so many different schools of thought with improv. And that's why I loved the annoyance because they were like, you want to go big? Fine. You're <laughs> big. Stay the big the whole time. Don't change. And I loved that. May I uh, interject and tell you that I love to do lookalikes with people I meet. And you remind me, and this is a compliment, of course, of Rachel Brosnahan, Mrs. Maisel. Just a little bit what? of Mrs. Maisel in you, yes. Yes, one of my favorite shows. Well, I just, I, I had to say it. And people can Google you when they look at your website. They'll see what I mean. Very okay. expressive. I'll take it. I love the expressive. I love the, the bigger, you know, that's me. So we're clicking here on all cylinders. Yes, so, I love it, Jordan. I love it. And truly, I mean, I've, I think my mom just had a birthday this weekend. And somebody told me they were like, wow. Your mom's a character. I'm like, yes, she. This is what where it comes from, um, but it physicality just says so much about a person. And I do think it's a it's a tool to know how to harness, and it's a tool to know how to tone back. Another thing too, um, the use of this kind of training with kids, and I'm not yes. sure what you do with kids, but it's so sad to see children who are not just insular because they're shy, but insular because they're in front of a computer or a game stick every day for hours on end. What's the application in this, do you see, for, uh, for young ones? Oh, my gosh. Well, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old. <laughs> and he is shocking to everyone. He is very expressive. <laughs> really? Apple doesn't fall far. Yeah. Um, so I actually have taught children's theater as well, and it is the same concept. It's just interesting. The population is different. And guess what? You know who has less inhibitions? You know who is less of a filter and is less scared to do this work? Kids, because they have not learned to mask it yet. Exactly. So the application is the same. Yes, and just lean in, play, be imaginative. Kids love this work. I think for my son specifically, 
I really try just to teach him yes and as a life philosophy. So I redirect the nose and I use, it's just like training a dog. I use positive affirmations. I make sure he feels hurt because what yes and is, is I hear you. I've postponed judgment. I'm not going to negate what you've said. I'm going to add to it or in the case of a kid, redirect. And so just the philosophy of improv for me works parenting him. But of course, like I'll use the games because they're just so fun. He loves freeze. That's one of his favorite games. Um, and I mean, and he's only three and a half. When you get kids who are in elementary school, middle school, middle school's where the mask happens. Okay. That's yes. fourth grade plus we're masking. Oh, yeah. And I'm not talking about your KN95s. I'm talking about the hypothetical. <laughs> It's when uh, adolescence starts to sprout and, uh, oh, my God, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Um, uh, A couple of other quick things before we let you go, and you're terrific. Uh, Can you share with us uh, one or two, uh, like the exercise you mentioned earlier with the two people empathizing, just a couple of examples of the kinds of clever things you do? I know you've got a whole bag full of them. Yeah. Give me, me like, what's the angle? Because i got a lot. Sure. What do you want them to achieve? Give me an Let's talk leadership. Why not? That's a very popular topic. Okay. So this is one of my favorite ones, and we call it Inspire, Don't Perspire. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. A lot of sweating in this episode here today. Um, So it follows this idea of yes and that I was just saying. So let's say, Jordan, you and I and three other four other people are in a small group or in a circle. And we're tasked with coming up with an idea for a summer bash. And we got to come up with food, entertainment, and a location for this bash. The objective is plan this party. However, the only thing we have to do in order to share our idea is yes and the other person's idea. Uh. Okay. So we're sharing, we're planning this party. I'm going to throw in another layer. I'm going to give each of you a rank. So sometimes we use a deck of cards. Sometimes we just tell them you're a senior VP, you're VP, blah, blah, blah. So let's just use a deck of cards as an example. Let's say you get the the ace, which is the lowest. Sorry, Jordan, I'm going lowest. Okay. For you. Okay. And then I'm, <laughs> I'm like the jack. And then we've got Susan over here, who's the queen, Bobby, who's the king. Okay. Now... We're still tasked with the same objective of planning this party using yes and, but rank is involved. So now no one's talking, listening to your ideas, Jordan. I'm sorry. We're all going to Bobby. He's the he's the king, and then Susan's the queen, and I'm kind of like the middle person. <laughs> no one cares about, and it just becomes this idea of okay well yes and felt really good when we didn't have the rank but now we pulled the rank card the title yeah and then we talk about is this typical of meetings that you've been in it it's so interesting yeah with with this kind of stuff um it's you're taking people out of their normal environment you're asking them to be a little goofy and in the goofiness you're unveiling a lot of truth i think that's the Mm -hmm. beauty of it um I, i i i believe humor is is the most essential next to love the most essential emotion or trait because laughter you start to unwind and unloosen uh, or loosen up i should say and uh, yeah that would shed the light on what danny the ducky leader is doing which is not so <laughs> impressive he's not listening or she's not listening yeah and it's also great for leaders to do that activity because 
they realize like, wow, people do look to me, or maybe I talk too yeah. much, or yeah. maybe I need to really ask Linda, the intern, how she feels about something. So it really does. If you want to inspire your team, that's why we call it inspire. Don't perspire is let all the voices be heard. Let everybody have a chance to speak, give people an input. So when the output is the goal is reached, everybody is sharing in that collective success. Yeah. And the rank is, is put aside. In other words, the, the CEO sitting there and people get comfortable with the fact that it's, we're all in this together. It's a great, great step, step forward. No question. Yes. Yes. Well, you are it's something else. I'll tell you, you really are uh, packing a lot of energy into this chat today, but I know into the work you do. What's the future look like? Uh, you're expanding, you're growing, you're doing all kinds of things. Thank you. Yeah, it's been so just to give you a real talk. The pandemic was really hard. We oh, had sure. two years of completely rebuilt, rebuilding our business because we were completely in person. So we made everything completely virtual. Now we're a hybrid, which is so cool. And so I personally, ha I'm still facilitating, but just on a more a downsized scale. And my team is rocking it, crushing it, loving it. I am doing more keynote speaking and lar kind of larger groups. And we can still do workshops for up to 100 people. But um, I'm getting comfortable with the uncomfortable again, because I got too comfortable doing workshops. So that's really it. And we're just continuing to to do virtual work. We have something called Laugh Breaks, which was built in the pandemic, which is really fun. Those are Zoom, crash Zoom meetings with laughter and improv. <laughs> and they're so fun. Um, and that really just brings me joy and my team a lot of joy as well. And the future is just continuing to reach as many people as possible with this message and mm. let people know that you can develop your teams in a way that will leave a lasting impact, but more importantly, connect them and make it a memorable experience for them to remember for years to come. Well, there's a movie cliche line that I love and I've always loved it. And it's, I'm making this up as I go along. You know, you always see the hero say that in a way, being free to be expressive and to make things up out of thin air you're really accessing your inner child, I think. And I think that's what's missing from so many people who act adult. Yes. Loosen up a little bit. You you live longer, sleep better, and enjoy life. It's a delight to meet you, Aaron. You're sweet and wonderful and uh, adorable. And you do look like Rachel Brosnahan. Yes! So take that to that's the bank. LearnToImproveIt.com. It's all about improvising. And you're going to have a lot more fun and a lot more productivity. LearnToImproveIt.com. Thank you so much. I wish you the very, very best. Thank you, Jordan. You are awesome. Appreciate you having me. All right. Check out the Improve It podcast with Aaron and go to the website learningtoimproveit.com. Sort of a play on words. Learningtoimproveit.com. And you will improve your life when you let go and have some fun. Keep laughing. Thanks, as always, to Dan Tebow of Fast Switch Media, to Chart Productions, where we produce this, and many other podcasts and audiobooks and commercials. And, of course, to you, our loyal listeners, growing in numbers every single day. Find out more at jordanrich.com, and thanks for telling a friend. Till next time, JR reminding you to be well so you can do good. Take care.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.